Welcome to Improv Interview. I'm Margot Escott, a psychotherapist and improviser in Naples, Florida. And I have a tremendous guest today. His name is Rob Snow. And Rob has been doing incredible work using improvisation with folks with Down syndrome. Without a further word, I'd like to introduce Rob Snow. Hi, Rob. Hey, how are you? I am tremendous. <laughs> I love tremendous guests. That's a tremendous guest. And I'm just going to share a little bit of your background uh, that you actually studied at Second City and I.O. and also the Annoyance and had a career as a stand-up comedian. And I think you're also a motivational speaker, if I have that right. But yeah, there's a, there's a few things in there. It's uh, studied at is the key word uh, on all of those versus uh, performed at. So right. <laughs> <laughs> those are tough stages. <laughs> but you had that experience and okay. we were talking before we started this about kind of feeling almost tired of it at one point or something went on where you just didn't have that passion as much yeah yeah I mean I, I it was interesting for me I did I, I studied uh for three years between second city uh second city for two years and then Improv Olympic for two or three sessions, almost a full year there, and then the Annoyance Theater for a couple sessions. And, you know, loved it all, but it was, towards the end, I was kind of just starting to get a little burnt out. I was doing a lot of stand-up comedy too, um, meaning, you know, open mics and guest sets and, and trying to get on any stage I could, um, plus auditioning and, and everything for any commercial that came along and, and all of that. So it does get a little, you know, there's a lot of rejection in that, especially in the audition process. Um, and when you're starting out as a stand-up, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of rejection there uh, in terms of jokes bombing and not doing well one night and then hoping to do well the next. And um, of course, the, uh, you know, you feel great at, at some time, at some points, obviously, that's what keeps you going. But you know, and I, I had kind of started dating this girl who's now occupying the same house that I'm in and the mother of my children and the wife of myself. So um, so she had a very serious job in downtown Chicago and uh, was bringing home good money. And I'm just, you know, waiting tables doing all of this. So all of that kind of started to weigh on me um, towards that third year. And that's when I kind of started just thinking, you know, let's let's see what the, the real world is like. Let's Let's get that real job, I guess. So that's where I was at with that. So you came back to Ohio? Yeah, well, so we stayed there. I, I kind of quit cold turkey um, in two, about in 2000 or maybe, yeah, about 2000. And then we got married, uh, meaning quit like stand up and, and, and improv and acting and all that in about 2000. And then in around, around 2008, my wife um, approached me and you know, we had our first son. Uh, he was four years old at the time, Charlie. And she approached me and said, um, well, I think I want to retire. And she was kind of in tears saying it. And she'd been with this big company for about 15 years. And uh, I said, oh, well, kind of laughed, which you know, uh, the, uh, the marriage therapist would say, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> crying, <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, she said, why are you laughing? I said, well, you're 36, and, um, you know, we can't access our 401k. That's called quitting. Uh, don't sugarcoat it. And so she said, either way, I'm done. 
And uh, so that was kind of like, I, I realized, you know, on my salary alone at the time, I probably, we probably couldn't live downtown Chicago anymore. So we moved to Ohio, where I'm from originally, up by Cleveland. And um, two couple things, interesting things happened there. So again, I hadn't performed any kind of comedy or, or improv for eight years. And for some reason, when we moved to Ohio, I started doing stand-up again. Um, just little guest sets, open mics, you know, just things when I'd travel for my day job. Um, kind of a release for me. And that was fun. And it was different. And I had some jokes that I wanted to get out. And I had kid jokes and uh, married jokes and things like that. So my act was very different. The other thing that happened to me, which was a pretty big deal, um, so this is kind of the nature, the, uh, the merger of these two things is, is, is what's transformed my life since 2009, really. But um, we had our second son, Henry, who was born with Down syndrome. So those two things kind of started to um, really pave my future. Um, we got very involved in the Down syndrome community um, right away just kind of jumped in and, um, but meanwhile, I was kind of doing this comedy too. And just, again, doing little one-offs, open mics here and there. It wasn't really intrusive to our lives. Um, and then I did well enough that a, that a comedy club asked me to feature for them. And, which is like the middle guy, you know, that was kind of a big deal. It's like playing triple A ball. I was, you know, I hadn't done that yet. Um, I had never done that in Chicago. The most I'd done in Chicago was, um, kind of emceed at some clubs. So this was a big deal and I, I did it and it was six shows and four nights and 30 minutes a show and I had to be funny and I did it. And I, um, and it was a really great club down in Columbus. And on the last night I went into my room, my hotel room, and I had this kind of realization and that was that I was never going to do comedy in this manner again. Uh, I just said, you know what, that's it. I, I validated myself as a comic. I, uh, I crossed it off my bucket list, but I couldn't do that to my family, um, you know, and it wasn't, I didn't feel strongly enough about it that I could quit the day job. So, um, but I had more to say. I, so that night I started writing a show called We Need a Sign. And that was about raising a child with special needs and some of the commonalities we share with other parents in, in the club, I like to call it, um, who were in my club. and. I, I performed that show in 2011 and then that show became another show called Minimize the Mountain and I now kind of perform that all over the country and um, to all kinds of crowds. So that's I, kind of I, how I it all that, got. I love that title, Minimize the Mountain. Yeah. Well, initially, when you discovered that um, your baby had down, how did that impact you and your life and your marriage? And Well, that's what, yeah, that's what... Um, Minimize the Mountain's all about because you took this moment that really um, can everybody has their birth story in their community, you know, and it's it's always interesting to hear people's birth stories. Sometimes they're they're amazing and sometimes they're somewhat tragic, um, uh, depending on you know how that was how the news was delivered to them. Um, so ours was we had um, our our pedi we had a couple like soft markers in the ultrasound that he might have Down syndrome. But by the time kind of we had two other ultrasounds and we went in, they had kind of dismissed those initial, um, those initial markers because they weren't really showing up anymore. But it, it was interesting because it was enough for us to kind of have talked about it um, together 
prior to his birth. So when he was born, he came out, he was just beautiful. And as everybody's kind of tending to my wife and the baby after he came out, um, I said, hey, would we know right now, you know, we had a couple soft markers that he might have Down syndrome. Would we know that right now? And everybody stops and they all start to kind of go over to Henry and, um, you know, poke and prod him for a while. Doctor says after like 10 minutes, he says, look, we're going to do a blood test to be sure. But, you know, he shows no physical traits common to someone with Down syndrome. I'm about 90% sure he doesn't have Down syndrome. And so that was a bit of a relief, but we kind of had this gut feeling that that wasn't the case. And then a few hours later, our pediatrician walks into our lives for the very first time. We never met her before. We chose her completely randomly. She comes in, she looks at Henry, and she starts um, kind of doing the same stuff, kind of testing him on some certain things. And she hands him back to us, and she goes, well, I'm about 90% sure your son does have Down syndrome. And so that was the moment our hearts kind of just start to descend into the pits of our stomach with what at the time we thought was just the worst news we'd ever had in our lives. And then she says, and that is awesome. And then she turns around her laptop and she shows us pictures of her daughter who also had Down syndrome. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah. Totally cool. Wow. Hence, we need a sign. So there was, that was like one of our first like signs that this was all going to be okay. And, you know, almost since that, that moment, I mean, obviously we've had our issues and, and challenges and concerns, um, but it's been just the great, honestly, the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. And I know we're going to get into um, how this all changed my life in such a big way and, and hopefully many others. Well, let's get into that right away. Sure. Oh, you want me to jump right in? Okay. Oh, yeah, um, jump right in. All right. So um, <laughs> through all of this, uh, so like I said, we got very involved in the Down syndrome community and just had, you know, grew to have such a love and respect, not just for our son, but for all these other individuals and families that we were meeting in this community. And then we started to realize as we go to kind of some of these national conferences, these national Down syndrome conferences, that there were so many amazing organizations doing these incredible things for those with Down syndrome and special needs. And, you know, I was on our local board um, here in Northeastern Ohio, but I thought, wow, you know, there's more I want to do. Um, of course, all of these organizations needed money. And so I said, what do I know how to do? And at the time, I, you know, I'd been producing some comedy events um, locally here and things like that. I had a background in sales and marketing and even a background way before in Chicago where I was um, um, booking bands and comedians and things like that. So I had these kind of crazy backgrounds. Plus I was a, I am a comic and um, had studied all this. So we thought, let's, let's do that. Let's start creating comedy events and we'll raise money through these comedy events for all these different organizations and we'll just kick it right back out to them. And that's what we did. Um, in for five, we created Stand Up for Downs and for five years we, um, we just produced comedy events, other unique fun fundraisers. And we raised over 500, almost $500,000. And we were able to kind of kick about, you know, outside of expenses, about 300,000 of that back to, um, you know, through sponsorships and grants and donations and all that sort of thing to these incredible organizations. So that was a lot of fun for a while, but maybe it's just that's, a pattern. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Good for you. Thank you. It was tremendous. It, it wasn't, you know, I always look at it like this. We weren't, Act, we, we didn't have a specific program that we were running. We, 
So, and we weren't involved in decision-making, you know, matters in the Down Center community, but we had really good courtside seats um, because we were giving everybody money. So people tended to like that. Um, so in late 2017, I was up at, um, I was starting to get a little tired of all the events. You know, it's, it's, it's a grind um, to always kind of be going to the well to find new people to attend events and things like that. And so I was really thinking about what more, it was kind of a crossroads. It was either we were going to end stand up for downs. We'd done enough, or we were going to, um, we were going to find a program that kind of fit our, our skills best. And I was up in Detroit at a friend's house and, um, she, uh, she had two girls under the age of four and then three more in her belly <laughs> about to come out. So she was about to have five kids under the age wow. of five. It turned, out to be all, it turned out to be all girls too. And um, so I was talking with her and she used to perform um, for, uh, she used to perform improv and then she was a cast member of like Tony and Tina's wedding and things like that. So she was really, um, you know, she was just so much fun to talk to. And I said, if you weren't doing this, you know, for the next like, you know, 40 years of your life here, 50 years of your life, what would you be doing? And she said, you know, I've always wanted to teach um, improvisation to people with special needs. And she had a back, she had taught special needs before, not improvisation. And I said, wow, why is that? And she said, just imagine the possibilities, Rob. I was like, okay. And I'm like, literally the hairs just went up on my arms. And I was like, why didn't I think of this before? Of course, this is brilliant. And we really started kind of talking about it there. And then I, I told her, I said, well, okay, I, obviously I'm going to steal your idea because you're not doing anything with it, um, you know, with these five kids. And uh, I had her blessing and I, I drove home from Detroit that day for three hours and just, you know, I didn't turn on the car at all. Just listen to kind of the music in my mind going off about this program. And I thought, you know, if we could teach the tenets of improvisation, the things that improvisation builds, which is, you know, um, problem solving and teamwork and listening and focus, assertiveness, build self-confidence, um, even eye contact, voice projection, all of these amazing skills. If we could teach these to those with special needs, we could greatly enhance their social and workplace opportunities. So that became the main objective. That was kind of the hypothesis. If we could do this, then we could do, then we could increase their social workplace opportunities. Because that's fairly dire right now, um, especially in the Down Center community, we have a population, and this is a great stat, but in the 1980s, individuals with Down syndrome lived to be 25. Today, it's 61, which is really cool, right? Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, but we have to address it. Um, which means we have a population um, that's uh, working into their 50s. And also in the, in the special needs community, uh, I think it's like only 21% are full-time employed. Um, you know, so it's, it, it's a problem. And uh, we all know what employment can do for us, not just in bringing us income, but in, in giving us satisfaction in, in our lives and, and fulfilling a piece of our lives that needs to be fulfilled. And that is no, you know, that's, that's as evident as anything in the special needs community. So, so that was kind of the deal. Um, you know, a lot of times they talk about 
um, the four F's with people with special needs um, in how they're employed. And that means they're employed in one of the four F's, food, factories, filth, and flowers. And I mean, if you say it like that, it kind of sounds bad. It's not, it's not bad. It's not terrible. Um, some of these are really great jobs, but you know, within that scope or even beyond that scope, we can create better jobs. We can create jobs that are, are more meaningful or more fitting to the individual and to their skills. So if we, if we bump these skills up, you know, to the, you know, those, those skills I just mentioned, if we improve those, you know, we can explode the options um, for people with Down syndrome and all special needs, really. Now, could you explain the four F's a bit, uh, food and filth and flowers and what, what are Most those? Factories. Oh, yeah. that's where the jobs would be, factories. Yeah, and, yeah. so again, it's kind of a, a, a callous way of describing that, but in, in truth, it, it is. That's really where they're going to be. So it's a lot of, you know, prepping food or it's sorting um, things, it's stocking things, it's, you know, it's this, these kind of jobs. And what I found, um, you know, what I found is that there's so many individuals in our community that can go so beyond that. You know, we can, we can really expand. We can have teachers or teacher's aides. We can have more customer-facing jobs, you know, um, leaders and, and counselors and even marketing people. Um, you know, and that's what I set out to explore and to hopefully prove, prove true. Great. So um, how old was Henry when you started your classes? So Henry's 10 now. So he was probably, what, 18? We, we officially started in late 17. So he was around eight. And so we, what we started doing was we started with monthly classes um, at a local uh, place called Gigi's Playhouse, which caters to individuals with, special, with Down syndrome, actually, um, of all ages. And it's, it's a really great place because they have... Um, they are every Gigi's Playhouse is required to have a stage built in to the to the space. Um, so they're all about performing, and so it was really a tremendous opportunity. And we were just doing it monthly, and you know we invited anyone over the age of fifteen. I wasn't quite ready to take on those younger than fifteen, um, but really anybody, any abilities, any skill levels. Um, but it was Down syndrome that we concentrated on. And we talked before uh, this interview about the importance of a homogenous group that working purely with children with yeah. Down syndrome. So what? the diff yeah. So the difference in our program, I, I well, the first five, you know, we did this for five or six months just on a monthly level, and then we started seeing such incredible results that I said, you know, I think we need to. I, I want to find a, a more committed group, maybe a more advanced group and see what a once a week program does, once a week for two hours. So we cast in April of 2018, we cast the world's first all Down syndrome improv troupe. Uh, we call them the Improvineers. So that's how the Improvineers and the Improvineer method was born. Um, and we studied it. We looked at it for uh, over a full year. These 10 individuals um, gave us, and their parents gave us their, their lives for two hours a week and, and more sometimes. And um, we studied it in three ways. We um, looked at, you know, I come from a sales uh, day job background. So um, everything's analytics these days and I know what the value of good analytics can do. So I worked with a behavioralist out of the Children's Hospital of Cincinnati um, who helped me 
uh, and she works specifically with those with special needs. And she helped me form an evaluation, um, kind of an evaluation um, document where on a scale of one to five, we were able to um, measure their each skill level. So again, eye contact, voice projection, self-confidence, teamwork, problem solving, all these skills, we, we measured on a scale of one to five. And then we, we measured that in the beginning of the program, and then a year later at the end of the program to see how they'd advanced. And everything went up. It was incredible. Everything just went shot through the moon. If they, were, if they started at a one at certain levels, they were a three by the end of it, or even a four. If they started at a three, they were a four or five. Uh, so it was really cool. Um, so that kind of gave us our quantitative analysis of it. Um, and then eventually, and then we also wanted to look at the program from what's the anecdotal success of this, this program? What are the parents saying? You know, so we interviewed the parents uh, in a number of ways. We did surveys and then focus group them and asked them, what are they seeing different? And every parent had a story about how they're seeing so many differences, whether it's in their confidence levels or assertiveness. Um, they're asserting themselves in more, you know, conversations among adults. Um, they're doing things in, when they're out, they're doing different things at work. They had stories about their employers that were saying, what is going on with so-and-so? They are just really outgoing these days. So then that led us to the third way we measured the program, which was through case studies. Um, we're now looking at every individual and doing kind of a, uh, short documentary case studies on each of them. So I mean, we can get the full funding for it, but um, which is really cool because now we're talking to the employers themselves and the employers are telling us, wow, there are differences. So it's all proving out. Everything is proving out. And the, the more that we do now that we're, um, kind of now putting the full program together. So we honed it. We looked at the types of games that work best with individuals with Down syndrome. What type of games, I'm gonna interrupt, what type of games yeah. work best do you think? So, you know, we- How do you start a class, for example? Okay, so we'll start a class, we'll do warm-ups, you know, like, it's not entirely different than, you know, really any of the classes that I went through. So we're gonna do some warm-ups. Um, the main difference is we need to create strong foundations. So we build the foundation, then we can build the house, um, which isn't like any, any it, it's not different than any teaching out there. But what I remember from a lot of my improv classes is we might do four or five games in one, um, one class. And then the next week, we might get on one of those games, but now we might be off to the races with some other games. Um, with what, we're, what we do is we're probably gonna spend a lot more time on those games before we start to move into other games. We're not gonna introduce four or five new games at the next class. We're gonna maybe introduce one game at the next class. So we're gonna make sure that they build that foundation. So a start, uh, a warm up is gonna be, we have a game called Quick Think. Um, we call it Quick Think, but it's, you know how Down syndrome games, or not Down syndrome, improvisation games are. They're all, this, you know, they're the same, but they're called different things, right? Right. So the think is just getting a topic from the teacher or one of the students or somebody from the audience. And then they just go in line uh, with the first word that comes to their mind off of that game. And then as they got better, we'd take a game like this. So this is how we started to really hone the different levels of our program. So that might be a level one where we just say, okay, sports. And that's an easy one. They're going to go up and down the line a few times on sports. 
Then in level two, we might start adding, okay, if you pause or if you repeat, now we're gonna, now you, now you're out of the game. Now it's, we're gonna see who can be the last person <coughs> standing, um, which you can't necessarily do in the first level um, with those with Down syndrome. They're gonna take it very differently than say, you know, I would have or a typical person might, um, you know, in, in a typical improvisational class. You know, the, the emotions are different. So we deal with that. We deal with the different emotional levels, different maturity levels, um, different physical issues that come up. Mm -hmm. um, so we have kind of these unique ways of addressing all of those nuances that are different for this program. I think you, oh, go ahead. When you're teaching emotional games and emotions, do you find that you need to sometimes explain what different emotions are and not just happy and sad? Yeah, well, we keep it, we keep it fairly simple. Um, you know, one game that I love doing is I love, I, I love, I hate, I dream about. That's what we used to call it. Um, and then we started to realize that that word hate was really difficult for them. Um, and that would stir up a lot of emotions. So now it's kind of, I love, I don't like, and I dream about. And then, so the, I, I love starts, to, you know, they might be fairly simple with it in terms of going, okay, I love my dog. But then sometimes you'll get, I love when my brother comes home to visit because I don't get to see him. Um, I don't get to see him enough and he's my best friend. You know, and all of a sudden there's this deeper story. Um, I, and then I, I hate or I don't like, I don't like when I get bullied at school. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it gets pretty, um, it gets, it, that's the game that always gets me. It gets really interesting because, you know, again, it might be something like, I don't like asparagus, but most of the time, especially once one kind of starts it, you'll start to see the group think mentality go, and then they'll start to really dig into, I don't like when I get treated differently than others, you know, or I don't like when I, when I don't get to do something that others get to do. So they have deep understanding of themselves, of the world. Um, and I would say that's in every, every um, kind of level or every, um, function of a person with down syndrome so sometimes you might see somebody with down syndrome who you know i don't know if this is correct but some people might go oh they are they on the lower end of the scale or whatever um we don't always love that um, are they higher functioning are they lower functioning we don't love to put it in those terms but you might see that but don't ever make the mistake of thinking they don't get it or they don't understand what you're saying um, they do a lot of times they can't fully express what that means to them but so we see that and then the other part of that game was when you see I dream about that's when you get really interesting answers um, I dream about um, being married I dream about having kids I dream about seeing my grandma in heaven someday I mean really so it's an interesting game we started it as as a light game just to kind of get to know our, our students better our players better but now we take that game as what level of emotions do, do they have and can they get to? So it's a unique game. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Now, um, we're going to be sharing some of the, uh, your website information. And there was a story about one young lady who was, I think, working in a kitchen at a, uh, an unnamed restaurant. Yeah. Um, she was. She was working at a, um, a, a very popular fast food um, chicken place. And they, she started there kind of working in back. This is one of our case studies, by the way. 
and um, she started working kind of in the back. And one thing I'll say about this individual was when we cast her, she, she, her challenge is uh, articulation. Uh, very difficult time understanding her. But her personality is incredible. Her skills on stage are amazing. And just her kind of energy is just, you, you can't turn it down. So we were like, well, we have to address this too. There's a large portion of the Down syndrome community that has articulation issues. And we need to deal with that. And so we did. And so she studied with us the whole time. She's in our performance level three now. And um, so she started this job shortly after she started taking improv. And most of the beginning of that was her in the back prepping, washing dishes, cooking, that sort of thing. Um, and then the employer just started seeing changes in her. Uh, she really wasn't dealing with any customers at all. She barely was dealing with coworkers. And, uh, or interacting with them, I should say. And all of a sudden he started seeing these changes and he said, oh, you know, why don't you, why don't you head out to the floor and um, how about bussing some tables? So that kind of let her deal with more of the customers. Well, that turned into something totally different. And they kind of created this. Um, she, she refills drinks for customers now. She's the greeter at the door. Um, she stands beside people at the register and talks to customers while they're waiting. Uh, that's her job. Wow. And um, she loves it. She celebrated her one-year anniversary there, and, and the, the coworkers and customers all sang to her. I mean, it's just tremendous. That, that's a really great um, story of how, how improvisation um, has affected her. So I, I think, you know, and based on my learning of this, I think, it's, I think it's the missing link, honestly, to job creation and job training programs for those with, with Down syndrome, for sure, and other special needs. I believe you started the question as um, my interest in teaching it kind of homogeneously or, or just to the Down syndrome community. Um, that was purposeful. You know, I knew from, from our 10 year you know, raising a child for 10 years um, and then being a part of the special needs community that teaching to Down syndrome is very different than teaching to autism um, or other special needs. And I applaud every theater out there. Um, there's a lot of community theaters who have programs out there that are, do, are improvisation programs for people with special needs. Um, Second City does it. Uh, for, I think they're specific to autism uh, from what I've read from yes. their website, um, which is just tremendous. I, I would say anything to get any of these individuals up on stage and performing improvisation is tremendous. The difference I always wanted to make was in the study of our program and in kind of that hypo hypothesis of making sure that what we're doing and the games that we're creating start to lead really towards those skill levels and, and increasing those skill levels and abilities um, so that they can get the better jobs. I'm not setting out to create the world's greatest improv troupe. I'm really trying just to make sure that we can really increase social and workplace opportunities. And I understand you're working on a manual. Is that true? Or Yeah. So all of this, we, we've kind of started putting out little teasers and little, um, you know, things um, right now. But we'll, we'll be up and ready um, in the first quarter of 2020, hopefully by January, to really start doing some programs. We're, we've got two beta test programs running right now, um, kind of more locally. And so we can continue to kind of hone these games. We're scouring books. So thank you to every uh, person out there who's written books on improvisation. We are scouring uh, and borrowing games that you all have um, put in these books. 
um, because we wanted to, you know, we played a million games in the last year and a half, but we wanted to really see what we were missing. And we've, we found some great games that continue to, to <coughs> be things that we're, we think will have a great impact on those with special needs. But um, so we're writing that manual that which should be done, you know, towards the end of the year here, we'll accompany that with web, um, web training that'll be available just to our customers. Um, those people who purchase one of the programs, um, but that'll, you know, show actual live demonstrations of what we're doing. Um, and, and all of that. So, and then we continue to monitor the program. So if you, if you, uh, the idea of the program is if say, I know you're down there in beautiful Florida, uh, Margo. So if some, if a down syndrome association down in Florida wants our program, we would go in, uh, we would hire the director of the program. So we call them the location directors. We hire them, we credential them. So there's a whole credentialing process that you are gonna be credentialed in the Improvenir method. I know hopefully that director comes to the program with great improv background or at least theater background, um, teaching or at least studying it. Um, but beyond that, they do have to follow kind of our approach. I think the the difference in our program is that you know I'm I guess I'm fairly uniquely qualified um, to have created this uh, in that I ha I have both you know I have the understanding and the um, you know the the closeness to the Down syndrome community, um, but also the training and in, in, in improvisation. So I, we're not looking for that exact same model, but we're looking to get close to that because you will run into um, some of these um, challenges and you will have to teach in a certain way um, that is different than a typical improvisation class. So we need the right teachers, the right directors. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's really, yeah, there you go. So that, that's what we need. Um, out Fantastic. There. Now, do you have a, um, are you still at the same location? Did you get a different studio somewhere? Uh, no, we've been at a place called Weathervane Playhouse in Akron, Ohio, um, for the last year, and um, and now we're opening it up. Uh, we'll be running, hopefully by the end of the year or first quarter of next year, we'll have locally in the Cleveland area, we'll have or northeastern Ohio area, we'll have three level one programs going, one level two program going, and then one level three program going, which is our performers who are out there. That's the great one because that those are the ones who are really advanced and they're um, advanced in improvisation, I should say, and they are out there performing. They're getting hired to perform. They're getting paid. Um, so they get paid by people, which is kind of a neat thing to their pros, right? Um, so yeah, it's really beautiful. It's, it's great. So we'll be doing that locally, but um, at the same time, we're spreading this program out. So we do one of our things that we do for different organizations that just want kind of a, a preview of it, or if they want to gauge how the, um, how the program will go or the interest level in their own community. So again, let's say the Down Syndrome Association in, uh, in Florida uh, wants our program and they go, well, we wanna make sure that the parents are gonna buy into it and you know, we're gonna get the funds for it and that sort of thing. We have what we call an improvaganza. So the improvaganza is us coming down and doing a three hour workshop where we're gonna, uh, you know, in two hours kind of do some training of improvisation um, with a certain age group, usually that's like 15 and above. Uh, we can add a second age group to that and do another three hour training. That's a younger group. And then in the third hour, we do a performance for the parents. 
And then I give a presentation of what the program is and kind of all the accolades we've had and what the, what the uh, benefits of the program are going to be. And by the end of it, the, you know, usually the parents are just like, <laughs> when let's do this now. <laughs> yeah, <signing up. laughs> exactly. that, that is really cool. I love it so much. I love your energy and your commitment. Yeah. And so you are taking younger children now too, right? They're not, you can take younger yeah. children. We're, we're giving it a shot. Uh, we did, uh, we did two of them at the 10 to 15 age level, um, so far and, uh, it goes well. We just, we, we had to, we realized we had to restructure our games and kind of revamp the games that we do. So now when we're creating this book, we really have those levels of this is a, this is a kid's level. This is a level one. This is a level two. This is a warm up. This is a performance game, you know, all of that so that we have, um, you know, really a great structure. The other part of that structure that we do, which is kind of cool, is we do what we call game sets. So everything leads into something else, you know. So if at the very beginning, you know, I talked about building that foundation. So if at the very beginning of object work um, is probably like the mirror game. You know, that, that's a couple different things. That's teamwork, that's object work, because you're following somebody's hands or you're following somebody, you have to have good eye contact, you're following their face, you're following, to mirror what they're doing. And they start to maybe twist their hand in a certain way. Well, that's the very beginning of object work. And then you can go from there to another object game, to a more difficult object game, to, you know, finally, now you've got great object work in a scene. Um, so we start everything at kind of this base level, but we're trying to take every game that we've studied and place it into kind of this, this um, you know, formula of where does it fit towards the end goal? Right, does that right. make sense? Yes, of course it does. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So a quick, quick think is the very first game of really, um, you know, uh, doing freeze. Right. I mean, if you got up to freeze or doing a, a herald or or anything like that. So that, that's, you know, it's it's so fun to kind of delve in and dig into all this. Now, do you have some staff working with you? That would be great, wouldn't it? That would be tremendous. Um, I do. I have. Um, so we hired our first. Um, uh, well, she was hired part time, but she was really full time. Um, Maggie Bassezi. And she was a. Uh, student not too long ago she graduated i think uh three years ago and she studied improvisation or she was on an improvisation team at, in, at school and studied improvisation and then just kind of came to one of my um speaking engagements um and she's from my local town here and we met i said you know she told me about her love of improvisation and um, it was just such a perfect mix. So Maggie's been kind of my right-hand person from the beginning, and she's kind of worked her way up to, she's my assistant director, and then she's also now the lead trainer. So we send Maggie out to um, do all the training and credentialing. Well, we both do. We kind of half and half it right now. And the goal is to, you know, get that, now that kind of the orders are starting to come in, um, you know, with people booking either a performance or an improvaganza or a level one class uh, or program, you know, now it's the next step is probably an office manager and then hopefully another lead trainer. And I, I think this can grow really, really big um, to the point that we're, 
we're going to be fairly national. And then hopefully sometime next year, we're going to adapt the program um, to those with autism as well. Um, and really, yeah, we really, and, and I, um, you know, you gave me some great names and I've started to do some research on that. So my next step is um, contacting some of those individuals and start talking about what we're doing and see, seeing if there's a harmony there. Um, well, we actually, um, I've spoken to some other people that are involved with special needs teaching improv, the idea of having a joint webinar together or just oh. a joint Zoom conference with all of us meeting each other and finding out what we're doing because there's such a growing community of it. For example, Nick John is at Second City and he's been teaching the autism classes for a long yeah. time. Uh, and he's a tremendous fellow and Lucy Alano with autism. So it's a great community out there. And I am so grateful that we had the time to speak today. You were just, I would like to talk to you again in January after you get the program set off and everything. And, uh, but um, I wanna thank you so much. And has Henry been taking classes as well? So Henry's essentially been, yeah, at home. Uh, I try out, I try out games on Henry first, um, and then Henry's like their, uh, like the cast's kind of little brother. And so we bring him, you know, when when he can, you know, fit it into his schedule and things. We I bring him to classes, and um, he's great. He just he just goes along with all of it, and it's it kind of comes naturally to him. I always say he's he's going to be the first cast member on SNL with, with Down syndrome. So. All right. That's a great goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I, you are doing wonderful things out there, and you've got such a tremendous heart, and I'm just so grateful we met today, We met before this, and I want to give a thank you to Jimmy Corain because it was his interview with right. you that I saw, hence today. So again, you're, you've just got a huge heart and um, you're helping so many people and I'm so happy you're gonna spread out your wings. So, well, thank you, that's really kind of you. Um, and thank you for doing what you're doing and uh, getting, getting the word out in, in the way that you're doing it. It's so helpful. Oh, thank you. Well, you have a great day. You too, Marga. Okay, all righty. Um,